Hey, Colleen. Hey, Hannah. So this is between a rock and a hard place, although it kind of looks like a storage closet. But seriously, we're here to talk about life in Iraq. Right. Part two. Reentry. Yeah, we're back. Uh, We talked last time about some of the challenges of reentry. And so now we're going to talk about some of the effects of reentry and how you respond and what you do about it. Right. Maybe a little bit of how, if you're not going through it, how you can help other people. Yeah. So we don't mean for this to be a two-parter, but guys, there's so much well, that and we're we not saying. I've <laughs> talked and thought about this because we both spent the last several years working through this. And I'm still going through it. Right. It's a long-term process, Mm -hmm. and one that, at least according to what people say, takes you the same number of years, at least the same number of years as you lived in the foreign culture, to re-adapt to your home culture. I feel like it takes longer, honestly. I mean, I know I haven't You're not there yet. I haven't hit my one-for-one mark yet, and I still am kind of like, this is taking forever. Well, when you've lived in a foreign country for years... I mean, there's a certain part of you that isn't ever going to lose what you've experienced and how you've changed as a person, but it does get better. It's true. It does get better. I think one of the effects that I see in my own life the most is kind of becoming hypercritical Mm. of everything. (laughs) but Myself, of other people, of American culture, of... The way people drive. (laughs) I think that may be just Nashville. (laughs) It could be, but let me tell you, we won't get on that boat. And I think part of that has to do with the way that I deal with emotion, is I tend to go to the angry side of everything, Mm. um, which makes me hypercritical sometimes just naturally but then you add to that the like dealing with the disappointment about way think the ways things work in america or in relationships with people that have changed mm-hmm. because i've been gone or because i've come back um and their lives are different and my life is different it's it's a little bit of that fight or flight response to some extent am i gonna fight against this or am i just gonna kind of go oh poor me and while in another country, I would definitely be a flyer. Mm-hmm. In my own country, I tend to fight back against it. I think partly because I'm disappointed in myself not being able to deal with it well. Right, and I think that's part of that self-criticalness. Mm-hmm. I should be able to function in this culture. I should know the rules of how all of this works. And I can't, and I, I'm not functioning at the highest level of everybody else's expectations or my own or this was the way it worked when I left and And it has changed doesn't and I don't like it and I just want it to be normal or I figured this out when I lived in Iraq and this worked for me but I can't do that here so now what am I supposed to do with myself why does America have all this red tape all these like weird systems that we have to go through. Yeah, why did they change light bulbs while I was gone? (laughs) That is not fair. It's true. I left. There were just these simple, straightforward light bulbs. You bought the right size for your fixture. 
And then I come back and now there's like spirally ones and LED ones and they're all so much more expensive, but they're supposed to last forever. But then they have all these other words like daylight or soft white and you accidentally get those daylight ones and you stick them in and, and it's the sun yep. in your bedroom and they're going to last forever so you never can change them out. <laughs> just have a personal angst about yeah. the fact that light bulbs got changed. It is shocking. I, <laughs> I can see that. I mean, that didn't affect me quite to the same extent that it affects you. I feel like I get more critical of Americans as a as a people. And I talked about in the last episode um, how we move on from things so quickly. I can find myself being really critical of Americans for that. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of like, just because you forgot about it doesn't mean it's not still happening. Just because you are tired of hearing about refugees doesn't mean that there aren't refugees. like, And that they're not still living in horrible conditions in camps on islands and, you know, right. And you just moved on and you don't care anymore. Does that mean that the care and concern that you did have were disingenuous? That wasn't real for you? It didn't mean anything to you? And I think that that's unfair for me to say because I don't know each person and their reaction and why they reacted the way right. they did. And I see it in my own life. Like, I see myself doing that with some things that I'm like, I just don't have the bandwidth to care about that right now. And so I'm going to move on from it because I can't do anything about it. But yeah, I tend to be more hypercritical of the cultural things that I see that I don't like. Which is not I mean, fair, but Some of life. those things I feel like are worth criticizing. Sure. And worth helping people change but I also know that sometimes those critical feelings are more of a reflection of my assumptions right about those people and about why they are doing the thing they're right. doing rather than the thing they're doing itself yeah yeah I had someone explain it to me as everyone has a file drawer and that like my file drawer is fuller because I have had more and different experiences and their file drawer is emptier, but it's not their fault that it is. Like, mm. it doesn't make them a bad person that the files in their drawer and the files in my drawer are different. Right. It just makes them a different person. Yeah, I, about a year ago, was really, really struggling with that and was just like, I hate everyone. This is terrible. Like, outside of my small bubble, everyone else is awful. <laughs> um, and just kind of having a to get some help coming to the realization that that was reverse culture shock and re-entry and that like I needed to work through and deal with that because I don't mm -hmm. think I had ever heard that side of re-entry mm -hmm. I don't think I knew anyone that reacted quite as strongly the way that I did yeah. you can also feel like you don't you don't fit in I think you feel that way because you don't right <laughs> it's a, not just a imaginary fantasy right. in your head that you don't fit in. The truth of it is you don't fit in and you have to make a place for yourself to fit in and adapt to fit in. Be willing to use your differences as part of how you connect to other people. Right. Be okay with the fact that you are different. Mm -hmm. 
and you're going to be different for the rest of your life. You don't have to be the same as everyone else. Right. It is okay. It's okay. Uh, and eventually, people will come to the point where they actually appreciate those differences in mm-hmm, you. It mm-hmm. may take them a little longer because they're not used to trying to figure out how to navigate those things. Right. But some people will, and it will be worth it. Yeah, and you uh, get to be friends with people who are weird and quirky like you. And <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a... A little bit of, again, bonding with those people. I find myself connecting with anyone who has lived overseas anywhere for any reason a lot more easily than with Americans who have never lived overseas. And so I feel like it's brought a lot more interesting. Not that people who haven't lived overseas aren't interesting, but it has kind of expanded the uh, demographic that I interact with. Right. Because I'm going to connect more with a 57-year-old woman who has lived overseas than I am with a 35-year-old woman who has always lived her life in America. Right. Because we're going to have some shared life experience. It gives you shared life experience with a more diverse group of people. Yeah. Which is kind of awesome, actually. Yeah. It's an upside. Even though it can still be a struggle to adapting, connect with the people who haven't had those shared experiences and Mm -hmm. to translate your experiences into something that will connect with others. I I think one of the weirdest things that I've encountered, and I think this is because we lived in Iraq specifically, is when I'm in a large group and I'm like meeting people one-on-one, I usually don't tell them that I lived in Iraq. Mm -hmm. But it does come up because people are like, oh, where did you move here from? And it's like, well, I moved here from Iraq, so. That's weird. Yeah. Tell me Um, more. Oddly, it has caused me to connect with people who served in Iraq in the military. Yep. That they're like, yeah, I was in Iraq too. Where were you? And it's like, probably nowhere where you were. (laughs) A lot of them came to Kurdistan for breaks. Right, right. And so they have like really... Kurdistan, it was great. Yeah. And it's been funny to me, the like number of men, specifically men, who have been like, yeah, I was stationed in... You know, they usually don't tell me specifically, but it's like, I was stationed in Iraq for a while, and yeah, I remember, like, working with Kurds and working with the Peshmerga, and like, they're so awesome, let's talk about this. And I'm like, I weirdly just connected with, like, a 40-year-old bearded ex-military guy (laughs) that, like, really we should have nothing in common, but we do. Right. And it's And their wives are standing there like, wait a minute. Aren't I supposed to be the one having this conversation? It's like, no, sorry. It's awesome being able to connect with people who you maybe wouldn't otherwise because of this obscurely odd shared experience. Right. But it can also be really exhausting. Well, that difference means that you do find yourself explaining yourself a lot Mm -hmm. and telling people, like, I lived in Iraq. No, not Iraq. Like... A stone around right. Iraq. Iraq, yes. <laughs> and you're like, what? what? Hmm? Okay, let me translate for you. <laughs> right. And also, not Baghdad, like northern Iraq with the Kurds. I will say that people now are much more aware of who Kurds are than when I first went. Yeah. Yeah, or even when I very first moved back to the U.S., people are much more aware now. Which has been, like, hugely beneficial. Um, <laughs> For the explaining. But that, yes. that whole explaining process is exhausting. It is. And the continually trying to find ways to connect with people when you don't fit, when you don't feel like you belong, right. is exhausting. Or, you know, you say that you have been serving in 
northern Iraq. People either think you're in the military or they're like in awe that you must be like this super amazing Christian person to move to Iraq and the Middle East and live among Muslims. Like you must be like super duper holy. (laughs) And I always want to be like, look, but I'm not. Okay. Like I, I I lived in Iraq, but I'm still totally normal. Yeah. Which is a lie, because I'm not ter- you're totally normal. not totally normal, normal but, but you're, like, neither of us are any sort of walk-on water Right, saint. higher plane, nigh, nigh unto heaven. I mean, we are normal. People's people expectations are weird. It is, and it's hard It's hard to manage them. You can't. You, you can't manage you can't. people's expectations. It's true. We do so in some ways. I know both of us uh, dyed our hair when we came back to the U.S., in part, because we're consciously trying to deal with people's expectations about us. Right. And in part because it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's a, f- it's a harmless form of self-expression. Also, I know that the language I use or what I wear or the things I choose to go to or participate in can all be part of how I tell other people who I am or mm-hmm. what I'm about and work on helping people not to have a skewed perspective of who I am just because of where I've lived. Also, for me, it was a period where I didn't want anyone to know that I was exceptional or different. I think the, the signifier for me of that was I went through a phase when I first moved back where I only bought solid colored clothes (laughs) in dark colors. Purple and blue and gray and black. There was a time when I could pull out all of my shirts and they were all that color scheme and all solid colors. I think actually dyeing my hair was the moment where I was like, I'm not gonna allow myself to disappear into these colors anymore. I'm gonna have bright pink hair and people are gonna notice me and Mm. know that I'm different. So there, there kind of was a shift of like, I'm back. I don't want to talk about my experience. I don't want anyone to know that I'm different. And then kind of coming to an acceptance and being like, yeah, everybody should know now. <laughs> like, I guess. I guess I can't hide it, even in my hiding colors. Mm-hmm. I did something similar uh, when I was back in the U.S. for a semester, taking a bit of a break. I started attending a church that was in the evenings that nobody there knew who I was. Mm. And when I talked to them, and, you know, people ask you in America, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I didn't tell them that I was a teacher, because then the next question is always where. Mm-hmm. I told them, which, I mean, it was the truth at the time, that I was doing office work for a local guy. And living in that super normal, no one has any clue about this whole other life. Mm-hmm. And choosing never to bring it up, never to deal with it. In some ways, it was so freeing. People just treat me like a normal person. Right. And this is all I have ever wanted. And it was beautiful. And it was fun. It was a little awkward because I constantly had to be, like, checking my speech or things that I would talk about. And, you know, there are a lot of stories that I would want to tell that connected to something that I couldn't share because then I'd have to, like, tell people I lived in Iraq. Right. Uh, Your secret life would be exposed. Exactly. Uh, But at a certain point, I did hit the spot where I realized, okay, God has called me to live in Iraq. I am denying 
part of my calling and how he could use that calling in the lives of these other people by refusing to let it be seen as part of who I am. Even if it puts me in a box with these people, even if all those people are going to think about is, oh, she's the Iraq girl or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I need to be willing to give up my own ideas about my identity and how people see me for God's calling on my life. And I remember the night where I like realized that and felt really convicted that I had been, you know, denying part of God's calling on my life with these people Mm -hmm. and where I decided to mention something. Oh yeah. And last year when I was living in Iraq, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, wait, what? Back this I have known you for four months and you've never mentioned this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry about that. I like stickers, Colleen. So do I. And we're not just talking about things we like on this podcast. Although, Although, mostly. Yeah. But we want to share some cool stickers with you guys. So here's what you need to do. Go to this post for this episode on Facebook or Instagram. This episode, not other episodes. And tag somebody you love. And then you'll get a sweet uh, Facebook message or Instagram message from me or Colleen. We'll get your address. And we will send you Between a Rock and the Hard Place sticker and an awesome note autographed by us that you can sell on eBay for no money. Yay! I think part of that is because it is exhausting to explain yourself and your life to people. Um... And also sometimes exhausting just to, like, live in a different culture and figure out life. It just, everything can feel like a a fight and a struggle, much like it does with regular culture shock. Mm -hmm. But with that kind of added, I should know this. I should know this. Mm -hmm. And everyone else thinking, you should know this. Right. And so, to some extent, you're getting less help and less Mm -hmm. support because people are like, oh, you're back. You're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Everything here makes sense. Right. When you're like, actually, no. None of this makes sense. None of this makes any sense at all. And this can make you, yeah, again, like with culture shock, you can have that same fight or flight. You can resist. Mm -hmm. You can resist it changing you. Sometimes I think in healthy ways, like not wanting to give up the slower pace of life. Sometimes in unhealthy ways where you can definitely take that too far and decide, no, I am still going to function my whole life just like I was living in right. that other culture, in right. that other country. Almost a forced exile from normal day-to-day mm-hmm. American life. Mm-hmm. I think I came back in enough time that there was still enough about America that I really loved that it wasn't as tempting for me to kind of be like, no, I'm not going to be American. All total. There are definitely still things that I'm like, this is a stupid American thing that I'm not going to do. <laughs> Forget it. It's dumb. Outdoor concerts. That's how I feel about outdoor concerts. <laughs> I know that's a weird thing to like, like specifically Shakes- choose. You like Shakespeare in yeah, the park? Yeah, but that's not an outdoor concert. That's an outdoor okay. play. It's different in my mind. It okay. doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. All right, but a lot of culture isn't. So that's how I feel. But all of this, often the resistance or the withdrawal, you end up doubting yourself and your ability to function in this environment that's supposed to be your home culture, doesn't feel like home, you don't know where you fit, you don't know where you belong, your relationships are all a mess. Like, all of these things often lead to a period of depression. I remember, like, different times coming back and dealing with this. 
not being able to pinpoint it at first, thinking, why am I so miserable? My life is good. Like there is nothing wrong with what's in my life. I'm healthy, I have enough to eat, I have friends and people who love me. What is wrong with me? Why am I so depressed? And then being like, oh, re-entry. Okay, all right, this will pass. It will be okay. It comes and goes. Like, even after you've passed through one season of it, it comes back. Right? It's, a, it's kind of not exactly cyclical because that makes it seem like it's a complete circle. It's, yeah, they're up and down, up, up and down, back and forth kind of feelings. And much like culture shock, sometimes it sneaks up on you a little bit and mm-hmm. you're like, all of a sudden, today, I am just like deeply sad about everything in my life. Counseling? I've I've been to counseling several times, um, having been back. And not, like, long therapy sessions for months and months and months. Um, Most of it has been, like, I'm really sad, and I can't figure out why. (laughs) Help me out here, man. And, you know, I've been fortunate in having good counselors that are like, yeah, this is is normal. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's all right. You'll be fine. Here are some things that you can do. But yeah, I just, I, I think that's something people don't do a lot of times because mm-hmm. they, they, you get in that mindset of like, I should be better than this. I should be able to handle this on This my is own. my own culture after right. all. Right. And to some extent, not having been a person that dealt with depression before living overseas, coming back and being like, this is not the person that I am. Everything else in my life is a mess, but I should be okay and I'm not, and I don't understand why. And it's kind of like, well, because everything in your life is a mess. <laughs> That's why. That's why. Oh. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just need someone outside. I mean, you have done that for me a lot, me being able to come back and be like, look, I hate this. And you're being like, yeah, that's totally re-entry. You'll be fine. Um <laughs> That sounds so callous. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. It's what I, like, I, it, it suits me because if I know what it is and I can identify it, I can be like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're good. I know that's been a big part for me. And I think one of the most beautiful things was when, and, and when I realized how important that was, was when someone else who had lived overseas for much of their life, I met them and they asked me the question, how's your reentry going? Mm, mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> someone else gets this, and this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sucks. It's terrible, and I'm in the midst of it right now. But the fact that you get that and you understand that makes all the difference in the world. And like he was with, an- and you have survived it, and you survived. You come out the other side. And he was with another guy who had known me and had never lived long term overseas, sure. and was like, I've, I would never have thought about that question but I see how much that question meant to you and the connection that me and the other guy who'd lived overseas we had very little previous relationship I actually knew his kids more than I knew him but we were able to connect in that moment of re-entry this is a hard hard thing it was fantastic and like the other guy with him was like oh this is a thing this is a real thing I've watched it, you know, affect someone's life right here. He's like, I'm going to ask people that. I'm going to ask people that when they've traveled, like, mm-hmm. lived overseas. I'm curious now. 
Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's it's good to have people upon your re-entry check in on you like mm-hmm. that. And to acknowledge that that's a thing. Right, because coming back to your home culture is traumatic, is equally, if not more traumatic, than going into a new culture. Mm-hmm. And I think there's kind of this mindset that one of the most frustrating things for me is to be asked the question, aren't you just so happy to be home? And it's like, like, my emotions about being back in America, which I'm not sure is my home anymore, are so mixed and I feel so volatile about it that I know you expect me to say yes. And I don't want to be a liar, but no. (laughs) No. You must and be like, so glad to be back. And it's like, I Aww. don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. I had someone else ask me, do you miss Kurdistan? Which is a much better question. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, yes, I miss it every single day. And the third person in that conversation gave me a hard time about that as my answer. They were like, well, that's nice. Glad you're so happy to be back with us. And I just, like, I remember just looking at her and being like, you do not understand what I'm trying to say. And she did the typical American, I'm going to move on from this conversation because it's uncomfortable for me. And was like, I guess I don't. And, like, left. Mm. Um, But I just remember, like, that question making me feel like, you see the struggle that I am having. And you asked the right question, not expecting a specific answer. Like, you asked a question in a way that allowed me to answer however I was feeling. Without any assumptions of the, of course you must be so glad to be back home sense of America's the best place ever and nowhere else could ever hold any part of your heart. Because that's, that's just not true. So ask the people in your lives who are moving back from foreign countries, whether it's a study abroad or something longer or even potentially people who've been in the military like ask them about how their re-entry is going ask them what they miss what they're struggling with in American culture ask questions that are not full of uh, your assumptions about your culture or how things should be open-ended questions that allow them to explain where they are and when they explain listen yes Even if you don't understand everything, listen to them. I almost said make eye contact, but that would make me super uncomfortable. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, Maybe make eye tender. You know, definitely listen and, and hear what they have to say. And, you know, if you think it would be beneficial, you know someone who's come back or is planning on coming back, share this podcast and the previous podcast with them. And if we can help make re-entry more normal for more people, we are happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you want to send an email to us and be like, I don't get this, do that. I think I think both of us would be happy to, to walk with someone through re-entry. I know how important that's been in my life. Yeah, so. I think there have been several other people, not you know, even not with servant group that we've yeah. spent time with and are happy to be a part of just processing that whole experience of returning to American culture and readapting and reconnecting. So ask good questions, be a good listener, uh, and share resources with, with people because mm-hmm. they may not know what they're going through. And yeah. it's nice to know that you're not alone. It is. You feel slightly less crazy. 
can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. That I do I do see how that could be surprising. Sure. Um, 